Well, this is our final message today in our series called Anchors That Hold. We've been looking at biblical truths that steady us through life's storms. You know, at the outset of the series, I reached out to uh, a couple of senior saints that I know and, and love and, and asked them, I said, you know, hey, I'm preaching this series on anchors that hold. I asked them, you know, what, what are some anchors that have held you in your Christian life? And they said, there's two anchors that have held us. The first anchor is the Word of God. And that's what we talked about a week ago, wasn't it? In, from Psalm 19, about the, the anchor of God's Word. But they said there's another anchor that, that has held us. And, um, well, what do you think it is? What do you think they said? The second anchor they said that held them was prayer. Prayer. Prayer is an anchor that holds us, that steadies us through the storms, through the trials, through the troubles of life. Communing with God, talking to God, crying out to God, having access to his throne room, drawing near to him in prayer. That, loved one, is an anchor that holds us, that steadies us through life's storms. And I think many would testify to this. In fact, many of you, you, you hear that anchor of prayer. You're probably already saying, yeah, it's, it's prayer. Prayer is an anchor. Many of you would, would acknowledge and, and testify that for you in your Christian life, prayer has been an anchor that has held you. Well, many would testify to it. Of course, it doesn't mean that it's easy. In fact, many, as, just as many would testify to the fact that prayer is an anchor, I think almost just as many would also acknowledge that it's, it's very difficult. Well, it is an anchor. It can also sometimes feel like a hurdle. That is, to pray consistently, to pray persistently, can feel like a hurdle that's difficult to overcome, a challenge that's difficult to meet. Because the fact is, is that Many times we do struggle to keep on praying. We maybe get started in praying, but have a hard time sustaining what we've, what we've started. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, sometimes it's, we have to acknowledge the weakness of our flesh. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's a growth area. It's uh, an area where, in which shocking Christian maturity in which we need to grow. We've also got to acknowledge the realities of spiritual warfare. But I think another equally, if not maybe even the, one of the most common reasons that people struggle to be persistent in prayer is discouragement. We become many times uh, discouraged. We, we, we pray, but we feel like we're not getting through. We wonder sometimes if, if God's even listening. He, he doesn't seem to be answering. And maybe we quietly wonder, what's the use? Oh, yeah, people say you should pray about that. But maybe you quietly wonder in a season of discouragement, will that really make a difference? This, this is a common problem. I, I don't think we often admit it, but it's a common problem. But it's also, it's not a new problem. In fact, Jesus addressed this very issue, this very problem of persisting in prayer, this challenge, this hurdle. He talked about it. He talked about the struggle to pray persistently. And not only did he talk about it, he also gave help to address it, to overcome it. And um, one particular place that he does that is in Luke chapter 18. And I want you to turn there with me. Would you please turn there to the book of Luke chapter 18? And you can get that on your phone or get your Bible open as we look at this subject of anchored by prayer, particularly 
persisting in prayer and, and uh, the, the help that Jesus offers us to help us to continue in prayer, even though we may sometimes become discouraged. Maybe even sometimes we may feel a little disillusioned. The Lord Jesus calls us to pray persistently, helps us to pray persistently, and also shows us its importance here in this text. And I want you to see that. So Luke chapter 18, as we talk about Praying persistently. Now, uh, just for context here, Jesus has been addressing the topic of his second coming. Uh, Jesus promised to return, and we are looking forward to that day. We're one day sooner to the return of Christ. One day he will come back. He ascended into heaven uh, 2,000 years ago. He promises to return from heaven uh, in, in a day to come, and we are getting closer to that day. Every Christian is looking forward to the return of Christ. Now, while he promised to return, uh, he made it very clear that the interval of time between his going and his returning would be a time of real difficulty for his people. This interval of time is marked by trials and troubles, storms, like we've been talking about tribulations that, that his people will face in days of, days of evil and opposition and injustice and hardship. Jesus has been talking about, coming into this passage, the, the promise of his return and the reality that the time between, between his leaving and his returning would in many ways be difficult for his followers. And so it leaves the question of how, do we, how should we manage that then? How do, we, how do we deal with that? How do we press on under such convictions? Well, we'll see the answer is, is that we will do it by prayer. We are, we're going to be steadied, anchored by prayer. Notice Luke 18 in verse 1 and what it says. It says, and he, talking about Jesus, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray. What's a parable? Well, it's a story that Jesus told to make a point. And the text says, Luke tells us, that he told them a parable to the effect, for this purpose, for this reason, for this result, that they ought to, for, for this purpose, that they ought to pray, ought always to pray and not lose heart. Pray persistently. That, that's the, the main emphasis of this passage. Pray persistently. Christ calls us to it. Christ calls us to it. He, he, he implores us to it. He directs us to do it. He directs us to do it. That we ought always to pray. So should we pray? Yes. But not only should we pray, we should, we need to, but we're also to keep on praying continuously in all times, in all seasons, in every situation, in every occasion, and to not lose heart so that positively, the text says that we are to pray, pray persistently. Negatively, it says, and don't lose heart. In other words, don't quit, don't give up, don't stop, keep on praying. Well, that, that's, that's the emphasis here, pray persistently. Christ calls us to it. Now, there's, there's many reasons that we lose heart. There's many reasons why we might stop praying. Have you ever seen the show Family Feud? Right? They, the two, they, there's, there's some answers on the board. You've got to guess what they are. Well, here's, here, I was thinking about, you know, what are some of the reasons that we lose heart and stop praying? So, so we've got the top five answers are on the board, all right? Uh, this isn't a scientific survey. This is just sort of some of my thinking. You may have some additional answers. See if you agree with, with my answers. Top five reasons why we might lose heart and stop praying. Number one, 
impatience. These aren't in orders of, this isn't an order in terms of uh, most to less. It's just top five, okay? One, impatience. Impatience. We lack patience. We don't see immediate answers. Our passions cool. We become discouraged. Our persistence wanes. Impatience. Maybe you are in a season right now where you are realizing, you know, I'm I think I'm impatient. I've been asking God for a breakthrough, asking God for an answer, and it hasn't happened in my timing. Remember, God's timetable and my timetable are often not the same. Sometimes we lack patience. Number two, sometimes we lack understanding. And we can, we can wrongly think that we don't need to pray. Like, well, I, I, look, I prayed about that once. Well, maybe you need to pray about it again. And keep on praying. Keep seeking the Lord in that. Not to be bound under some weight of, I, I, I need to pray every day, but to encourage you to keep on praying and to don't give up, to keep trusting the Lord, keep seeking the Lord. Pray about the issue you need a breakthrough for. Keep on praying about other things too. Sometimes we lack understanding. We wrongly think that we don't need to pray, like it's optional, it's not necessary, it's not going to make a difference. So that's a lack of understanding. Impatience, lack of understanding. Third reason that I put down here that we lose heart and stop praying is because of apathy. Sometimes our hearts grow cold. We become uncaring. We become unconcerned about the things of the Lord. Secondary things, things of the world consume us and fill up our passions. And we are... Well, we become apathetic. There's things that we ought to continue praying for, but it's not a burning zeal because we've spiritually drifted. You see? Impatience, lack of understanding, apathy. Number four, disappointment. Disappointment. This might be one of the most common yet least admitted reasons that we don't persist in prayer, why we lose heart we hoped that God would act. We thought that he would do something, but we, we've been asking, but we're not seeing answers. It's like, it's like Jeremiah says in Lamentation, though I, cry all, though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. What's, that, what's he saying? There? It's like it feels like I'm, I'm talking to God, but I can't get through. It's like I'm calling heaven, but the line is busy. And many of us become disappointed and start to lose heart and are tempted to quit, just give up. Impatience, lack of understanding, apathy, disappointment. Five, doubt. I'm not sure that God cares. I'm not sure that he even listens. I doubt it's going to make any difference. What's the use? You may be in, those last two, in one of those last two categories there of disappointment of doubt, are you suffering from any of these maladies of prayerlessness? Are these hurdles that you find difficult to overcome? We got a clear call here in this text, don't we? I mean, it's real clear. We ought always to pray and not lose heart. Pray persistently. Christ calls us to it. But wonderfully, now in this text, we'll see he also helps us to do it. He calls us to it and then helps us to do it. And the help he gives comes in the form of a parable. Jesus here gives us a parable to help us to persist in prayer. And it's an interesting story. He just tells a story uh, to, to really equip us and to motivate us to prayer. So, so let's look at the story here. It says, so, so verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, now here's a story, verse 2, in a certain city there was a judge 
who neither feared God nor respected man. Now, this judge in, in antiquity would have been like a Roman magistrate uh, appointed as a kind of village judge or ruler. They were known to be uncaring, unsympathetic um, uh, people often who were in it for the power and the position, the financial gain. Favoritism and bribery was, was what made the wheels go around. So as Jesus talks about here, uh, a, a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Everybody listen to him is like, oh yeah, I know. I they probably got somebody coming in their mind as he tells this story. Well, so we've got this judge and uh, he's not a particularly pleasant chap. Doesn't fear God, doesn't respect people. Um, verse 3, and there was a widow in that city who, notice, kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Notice, what did she do? She came to him. Did she come to him once? Did she come to him twice? No. She kept coming to him. Note that. She's facing some kind of injustice. I don't, Jesus doesn't elaborate what it would have been, but she's being defrauded somehow. She's being cheated somehow. Something's going on. It's not right. And she, she's going to the judge and demanding that he help her, that he apply the law, that he do the right thing and give her the justice that she needs, the justice she deserves, and here the justice that she demands. But he won't act. Verse 4, for a while, he refused. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. She comes and asks for justice, and he sends her away. Now, it's likely, Jesus' early, early hearers, can, they, they can probably figure here why he's not going to acquiesce to her demands. Because, well, she's got nothing to offer him. She's got no money to, with which to, to bribe him. So he isn't lifting a finger to help her. Remember, he doesn't fear God. He's like, I don't, I don't care. It's not like he has any fear of a higher being to whom he's accountable to. Doesn't respect people. Doesn't care for people. He lives for himself. And here's this widow's coming to him. She's a nobody. So go away. Scram. Shoot. Quit bothering me. But what did she do? Well, she kept coming. Notice the text, verse 4. For a while, he refused. So he refused to give her justice. But afterward, he said to himself, because she keeps coming, keeps knocking on the door every day. Hey, I need justice here. You got to deal with this situation. Why aren't you acting? The law says, go away. Next day, she's back. Hey, hey, listen, this problem hasn't changed yet. I'm still waiting for you. Have you got around to looking at my cases? Here, let me help you. It's in this file folder here. Read it again. And, and go away. Don't bother me. Next day, I'm back again. How are we doing? Where are we at? Again and again and again and again and again and again. For a while, he refused, verse 4. But afterwards, he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. What's he saying here? She's driving me crazy. I can't take this anymore. So what am I going to do? I'm going to rule in her favor to make her go away. Now, what did she do? She kept coming back. She didn't give up. She hadn't yet seen the answer she longed for, that she was banking on, so she kept on persisting. Now, I think, loved ones, that this widow represents the church, God's people, God's elect, who in this life will, in many different ways, face hardship. Are you facing hardship? God's elect will face, will suffer injustice. Maybe you're suffering some kind of injustice. 
trials will come and they will cry out to God and they will seek him. And Jesus' message here is that they ought to keep on seeking him. Her persistence here in this parable affects the outcome. If she had quit, if she had given up, she wouldn't have gotten anything, but she kept on coming to the judge. Now, Jesus gives us here, we, we've got this widow who represents the church. Now, be careful, because you're going to say, well, so, so what, does the judge represent God? Well, not exactly. Notice verse 6, what Jesus says. So he tells this story here, this widow is demanding justice, keeps coming back, not getting it, not get, but she keeps coming, keeps coming, and finally, just to make her go away, to shut her up, he acquiesces, he rules in her favor. Now, Jesus says this, verse 6, and the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Now, what did the unrighteous judge say? Well, again, the end of verse 4, And though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. She will, she, she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Jesus says, verse 6, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Listen, listen, think about what he is saying. Think about it. He's a wicked man who deals justly in response to this persistence. Now, God is not like the wicked man. God is righteous. God is holy. God is not like the unjust judge. God is the just judge. So what's the point here? What's the, what's the point, the picture that Jesus is painting? He's going to argue here from the lesser to the greater. He's going to say, listen, if the unrighteous judge... If this godless man will ruin this woman's favor because of her persistence, how much more then will God, who loves you, who cares for you, who saves you, how much more will he rule in his favor, him who is your God and who is a just God? Verse 6, Jesus said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. If the persistence of the widow got an answer from a wicked judge, Jesus says, how much more then will God's people, God's blood-bought sheep, how much more then will they get justice? Will they get an answer from God through persistent prayers? The main point is to pray persistently. Christ calls us to it. But here in this parable, he helps us to do it to pray persistently. How do, we, how do we find the strength to overcome the hurdle of persistent prayer? How is it that we can keep on praying and not lose heart? Because we can't do this on our own. So where does the help come from? Well, Jesus points us to the help. The help comes from focusing on God. He helps us to do it. He helps us to pray persistently by focusing on God. What is it about, he points us to God, look to God, think about God, look, notice God, reflect on God and who he is. What is it that Jesus wants to notice about God? What is it about him that we're to focus on? I think mainly two things. First of all, we, we're going to pray persistently by focusing on God's goodness. God is good. This judge in the story, he was bad, he was wicked. And in his case, I mean, he gave in to the, to the widow's persistence to make her go away. But God is good. God is not miserly concerning his children. God wants to bless his children. God loves his children. God cares for his children. He cares. If you are in Christ, he cares for you. This doesn't mean that he's going to do exactly what you're asking, because maybe he's got something better in mind. 
It doesn't mean he's going to do it in the time that you, that you would hope that he would do it because his timing is perfect. It's different than ours. He sees things and he knows things that we don't see and know. But what Jesus does say is he says, look to God and believe in his goodness. Remind yourself of his goodness. When you're beginning to lose heart, remind yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is God and, and I am one of his sheep. I'm, I'm one of his elect. I'm one of his people. Will he not hear me? Will he not in his time, in his goodness, answer me? It's an encouragement to keep on praying and not lose heart. God loves his people. If you are in Christ today, he loves you with a special love. That's why Peter can say in 1 Peter 5 and 7 that we're to be casting our anxieties on him because he cares for us. There's a dear man in our, our church who is going through, is, is in sort of a long season, a tough stretch here in terms of his mind and his memory. But whenever I see him, whenever I talk to him, he reminds me of 1 Peter 5 and 7. That we'll go through hard times, but he calls us to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Have faith in God. Have faith in God, he says. Every time, every time we talk, he reminds me of that. And it's such a precious truth that I want to remind you of, that God is good. When you are struggling to keep on praying, ask yourself, is God good? Does God, is, is, is God just? Does God love his blood-bought sheep? Remember what Paul says in Romans 8 and 32. He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give us all things? In other words, since God gave up Jesus on the cross to save us, we can have confidence that he will do good for us. We can be sure of it. He has already done the massively hardest Thing in, in giving up his son for us, how will, he, how will he not also then? How can we not also believe him to do good to us? Especially when we persistently seek him in prayer. Pray persistently. Christ helps us to do it by pointing us to God. When we focus on God, it encourages us in our prayer. It helps us to overcome the hurdle of praying persistently. How do we do this? Well, firstly, focusing on God's goodness. Another aspect of God's character, though, that we ought to focus on is God's faithfulness. And that's in this text, too, God's faithfulness. I think the emphasis here, when it talks about God dealing swiftly and acting decisively, I think that Jesus especially has in mind the, the, the fact of his return. Remember, in the context, he was talking about the, his, his own uh, re return, to, to the earth and that, that coming day when he will return and, and he will bring his kingdom to full fruition in the end. There's a focus here on God's faithfulness that God will do that. And imagine, as Jesus teaches this parable, he has in mind the reality that his people are going to suffer. They're in this time of interval, in this time of waiting for the return of Christ. There's days that are going to be difficult. There's days and weeks and months when we'll be groaning and longing for Christ to return. And so we can imagine what might, be, what might the saints be praying? What might they be pleading for in that interval, looking toward the end in their anguish? What might they be longing for and asking for? The return of Jesus. Just like in Revelation 22, that prayer, come Lord Jesus, come. 
Revelation 6 and 10, the martyrs cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? You see, suffering saints cry out to the Lord for justice that will come in the end, for the return of the king that will come soon. They long for the return of Jesus in this time of waiting, in this delay. And what Jesus does here is he points us to the faithfulness of God. He says, again, verse 6, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? You see, there's times in which God gives us justice in the interval, in the immediate moment where there's, there's the breakthrough, there's the answer. And we see this many times. Many of you have seen, have seen stunning answers to prayer, God breaking through, God easing your misery, God, God resolving the problem, God bringing life where there is death, God answering prayers. He does answer prayer. So keep on praying. He is good, but he's also faithful. There's also an aspect in which there's many prayers that we pray today that we will see answered with the return of Jesus, with God's uh, end times program when Christ returns. Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Again, I think especially talking about the return of Jesus. I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. It'll happen in a moment. You will go from what seems like seasons of longing and crying out and crying out and waiting and waiting and waiting to suddenly, suddenly the answer, Christ returns and all of your faith becomes sight and the cries and the anguish of your heart before God are responded to, every one of them answered in full. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing us to the faithfulness of God. God is faithful, loved one. He's faithful to keep his promise. Jesus will return. There will be justice. And many of your pleas will receive stunning answers. Of course, it raised the question for some, why would God delay, right? We read in the Bible, the psalmist cries out, How long, O Lord, how long? They cry in Revelation, they cry in the Psalms. How long, O Lord? The cry of God's people causes us to wonder one time, sometimes, why does God wait? Why, is he just, why doesn't Jesus just come back now? Well, there's a lot of reasons that we could give for that, but one answer, one true answer is out of mercy. God's patience for the unrepentance, for the unrepentant. Peter says, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. Remember that. And a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So see, one reason why God delays, why Jesus delays in his return is because he's merciful toward the lost. For some, this is, a, this is a word for you to take to heart. The good news of the gospel is that God has on the table for you today an offer that you are able to make things right with him through faith in Jesus. It's a limited time offer. And one of his reasons for this interval between the first coming of Jesus, that first Christmas, and the second coming of Jesus, that's coming, is coming soon, any time now. One reason for this interval 
in his, between the first and second coming for the delay as he set aside time for you to get right with God. Today, there's an offer of peace with God on the table in front of you through Christ. And the terms of peace are for you to lay down your rebellion, to humble yourself before God, and to trust Jesus alone to save you. Jesus died to pay for your sins so that you can come to God. And God will forgive you when you trust in Jesus. And he will receive you as his own. And you will be his elect, as Jesus calls, one of his blood-bought sheep. You will have peace with him forever. But the time will come when this offer expires, when Christ returns. It's in this interval. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I would plead with you, loved one, to take advantage of this interval of this time and turn to Christ and be saved, to trust in him. But make no mistake, loved one, dear Christian, make no mistake, Jesus will return. And what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing us to not only the goodness of God, but the faithfulness of God to do what he has promised he will do. And God's people will have their reward and they, and they will have the answer to their cries for mercy and for grace. And imagine, imagine today how this text uh, it would, would land on believers in different parts of the world. How, how much of a treasure it would be to, to Christians today who are suffering persecution, where the terrain is really rough. Imagine the preciousness of this parable to our brothers and sisters who are meeting secretly today for worship in Iran or in Iraq, or for believers who are subject to blasphemy laws in Pakistan, or who are isolated and threatened in Somalia. This is a very, very pertinent uh, uh, text for many Christians today as Jesus points them to God, the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. He will answer. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? The answer is no, he won't delay long over them. I tell you, Jesus says, he will give them justice. He will give justice to them speedily. Oh, what a treasure this is to the persecuted church. But the fact that other Christians are perhaps in some ways more persecuted than we are in our part of the world does not diminish the truth. That when we face trials and troubles in our lives, that turbulence can threaten our own perseverance. As we suffer grief and opposition and illness, and we suffer loss and go through hard times, go through pandemics, face satanic attack, harsh, op harsh opposition, frustration, struggles in ministry and outreach. We're often hurt by people. we got family turmoil. We're, we become easily discouraged. We may not face the kind of trials and tribulations that other Christians do around the world, but anything that tests our faith, anything that tests our faith or, or threatens our resolve to keep going, to keep serving, to keep seeking after God is a serious issue. And what does Jesus say in the face of that? He reminds us that God is faithful. God is faithful. Look to God. Focus on him. That is going to motivate. That's going to help you get over the hurdle. How do you keep on praying in the face of discouragement? How do you keep on praying? How do you persist in prayer and not lose heart? By focusing on the goodness of God, by focusing on the faithfulness of God, that he will do what he says he will do. You know, I talked last week with you briefly about William Tyndale, the, the father of the English Bible. And uh, we talked about the fact that uh, of Tyndale's death, that he was uh, put to death in, in the 16th century, or early 16th century. Well, what I may not have told you, I can't remember if I told you this or not, is that 
I, I didn't tell you this, is, is that before Tyndale was put to death, he prayed a prayer. And you know what that prayer was? Now, of course, the Tyndale, he was not only was a man of the word, but he also believed he was a man of prayer. And he prayed right up to the end. And before he died, his, his last recorded words, his last known words were a prayer to God when he said, Oh God, open the eyes of the King of England. You see, to this point, it was uh, illegal to uh, copy scripture, to translate scripture, to copy scripture, to publicly read the scriptures. It was uh, illegal in those days. And that's part of the reason why Tyndale ended up losing his life. He gave his life for the Bible and the truths therein. But within three years, within three years of Tyndale's death, something happened that I wonder if Tyndale uh, would have been shocked and amazed at. His final prayer was, Oh God, open the eyes of the King of England. Of, of the King of England. Within three years, the King of England authorized the English translation of the Bible, 70% of which was Tyndale's own translation work. Within three years, God came through and God answered. Was it Tyndale's timing? Maybe not. Was it answered in the way that Tyndale would have imagined or anticipated or had in view when he prayed? I don't know. Maybe not. But what we see is when we look back, we can see the prayer, that persist, a, a, what was surely a persistent prayer of a saint, of one of God's elect. And we saw the answer. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Listen, God is good. God is faithful. Remember God. Focus on God. See, we're told to pray persistently. Christ calls us to it and now helps us to do it by lifting our view to him, lifting our, our, our vision to God. I put this down. Our prayers are not always answered in the way we want, we want, nor according to our timetable. But remember, we have a father who knows how to give good gifts to his elect. And he calls us to keep praying and to not lose heart based in the confidence that he is good and he's faithful. And you're not wasting your time. This is encouragement. This is help from Jesus to persist in prayer. Loved one, pray persistently. Christ calls us to it. He helps us to do it by, by calling us to focus on God, on his goodness, on his faithfulness. Now at the end of this passage, he says something about the importance of persisting in prayer. Persistent prayer. Christ calls us to it, helps us to do it. Now finally, he shows us its importance. Verse 8, he says, I tell you, he, God, will give justice to them, his people, speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now here Jesus, I think, is showing us the importance of prayer. He's calling here for some self-reflection. And the question is, when Jesus returns, will he find me faithful? Now it's interesting that he uses the word faithful there and not praying. Right? He's been talking about persisting in prayer. You, you would almost expect, anticipate, that the verse would read like this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find his people praying on earth? Because he's been talking about persisting in prayer. But it's not what he says, is it? It's not the question. Instead, the question is, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Notice the link between faith and prayer. I take this to mean that, when he says, will he find faith, I take this to mean that the main call here is in persisting in prayer, the importance of it is that it's a means of persisting in faith. Faith is exercised in part by praying. 
by continuing in prayer, by keeping on praying. It's the exercise of faith. In, in one sense, it's kind of an evidence of faith. See, we persevere in faith by praying persistently. We persevere in faith in part by praying persistently. It's a means by which we express and show and demonstrate our ongoing faith in the Lord is praying persistently. And we, we see this in Scripture. Just briefly, Luke 21, 36, Jesus says, But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things, namely the sinfulness and worldliness and godlessness around us that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So how are we going to persist in faith? We're going to do it through prayer, Jesus says. How about Romans 12, 12? Paul says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. There's a link here between our faith, ongoing faith, and ongoing prayer. Hebrews 4 and 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace in prayer that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Prayer is the, the conduit by which God gives us needed mercy and grace to keep going. So you see, we persevere in faith, at least in part, by praying persistently. And what this means too, also loved ones, is that if we neglect prayer, if we're not persisting in prayer, then we're kind of cutting off our air supply. We, we're, we're cutting off the fuel supply for our living because we get fueled up for living in part by prayer. Remember a number of years ago, I had my, the fuel pump in my car quit working. And um, I was driving along and, and I think I came to a stop sign. It was time for me to go and I went to go and the car wouldn't go. It just kind of chugged and came to a stop. And, uh, well, what had happened? Well, the fuel pump quit working, right? I got an engine here. I got gas in the tank. But the, the, the means of getting the gas from the tank to the engine was not working. And for some of us, that's our issue. There is a means. God has means of, of strengthening us for this life, of, of, of helping us to persist in this life, to live for him. And, that, and, and one of those important means is prayer. For some of us, it's just not functional. And so what Jesus is showing here is the importance of it. He calls us to it, helps us to do it, but also now shows us the importance of it, of praying persistently. When we do pray, we are strengthened and empowered. We bear fruit. Luke 8 and 15, Jesus says, talks about believers as good soil. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold fast to it in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, that patience is persevering in faith. And how do we do that? That fruitfulness, where does that come from? Well, prayer is a, a key part of that. How do we get that persistent faith, that fruitfulness? We see here in this text that prayer is important. So pray persistently, loved ones. That's the call. Fathers, it's Father Day. How are you going to do this, Dad? How are you going to do this? At every, whatever stage you are, you got little ones, not so little ones, grown up, moved away. <laughs> They're always little ones to you. How, how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to be a faithful dad? How are you going to be effective? How are you going to be fruitful? Well, there's a lot of means of grace that God has given us. He's given us his word. He's given us fellowship. He's given us worship. He's given us ministry. Many things that are important in the Christian life. But I tell you, one thing we're seeing here that is really important today is prayer. To say, God, I need you. Just like that song we sang in the service today. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. It's so important, Dad. If you're going to make it, prayer is a key. It's a key. It's a means. That, it's an appointed means that God has provided for us to make it. And not only just to make it, 
but to thrive and be fruitful. Pray persistently. Christ calls us to it, helps us to do it, pointing us to God and his goodness and his faithfulness. And he shows us its importance. Now, I want, you, I want to ask you, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? The sermon on praying persistently. What, what, what response are you going to make? Don't just shut this off and do nothing. What are you going to do? You say, well, pro- probably I should pray, right? Probably. That's a great place to start. Say, God, help me to do this. Maybe if this is a hurdle that you can't seem to overcome, that you would acknowledge that, confess that before the Lord. Say, Lord, you've got to help me here. You've got to help me. If you don't help me, it's not going to happen. What a great way to respond to a sermon on prayer is to pray. Say, Lord, help me. Help me to, to, to want to do this. Uh, open up my eyes, the eyes of my heart, to see and perceive and remember your goodness, your faithfulness. Maybe you would acknowledge today some of the disappointment you're experiencing. God, I've been praying for this, and I don't seem to have an answer, and I don't understand why there hasn't yet been a breakthrough. But I'm back again, Lord. I'm like this widow. I'm, I'm back again. I'm pleading with you. God, God, help me. God, for a breakthrough, Lord, would you work here? Would you act here? I need you. Maybe you pray for the patience that you're lacking. Lord, I need the patience. I've become impatient and anxious, Lord. You don't want me to be anxious. Will you give me the peace? Would you seek the Lord? Maybe you'd have an ear for testimonies of those who do pray. You hear somebody about answered prayers. tell, Tell me about a prayer that God's answered for you to encourage you. Pray. Talk to God about it. Maybe seek out a testimony from someone else about prayer. Ask someone else to pray for you. You know, right now in this moment, you might say, I don't know if I have the strength to pray. I think you can, though. You can pray. Say, God, help me. But you know what also is good is maybe you'd turn to somebody in your home or call somebody on the phone and say, will you just pray for me? I'm not sure. I need to get this thing going. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? I don't think I have the words to do it. I don't think I can. Will you pray for me? And oh, you've got brothers and sisters in your church that would love to do that. Will you respond that way? Will you seek God in prayer? Pray persistently. God, Christ calls us to it, helps us to do it, looking to God, his goodness, his faithfulness, and he shows us his importance. We vitally need it to persist in prayer.